Welcome to the Northwestern Masters of the Arts and Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement Podcast. I'm Bryce Clinton. Many of us, myself included, hear the terms public relations, media relations, or even marketing, and have a hard time delineating between those disciplines. While there is crossover between each of them, they all play a distinct role in an organization's success. This is especially true in sports. Couple that importance with all the different avenues to engage with fans today, and that public relations role has become an increasingly important and complex part of an organization. Our guest today, Zach Wingrove, is someone that can help us navigate those waters. Zach is the Director of Public Relations and Digital Media for Northwestern Athletics. In his role, Zach has served as a media relations contact for multiple Northwestern athletic programs, including football, men's and women's basketball, softball, field hockey, wrestling, and volleyball. Prior to his role, Zach spent four years working with Northwestern Athletics in both the communications and broadcast operations departments. Zach also worked as a media relations associate for the Chicago Cubs throughout the 2018 season, a training camp communications intern for the Houston Texans in 2019, and two years on the digital content team for West Michigan's NBC affiliate, WOOD-TV8. Zach is a native of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and graduated with Northwestern with a bachelor's degree in science and journalism in 2019, and a master's degree in sports administration in 2021. As always, it's great to have former students on the podcast and see how they've evolved in their careers and how they're making an impact on the sports industry. So we hope you all enjoy this conversation with Zach Wingrove. Zach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be on. It's always cool to have former students, and Zach was a student in my course two years ago, probably now? 2022, I believe, yeah, or 2021 winter. Which was a different time in the course of education. Obviously, we were much more stuck at home, and I think there's lots of questions around how that's impacted your role and the starting of your role that we'll get to. But speaking of that role, Zach, you are the... Director of Public Relations and Digital Media. And I think for a lot of listeners, myself included, sometimes we get the definition of what public relations really entails, a little bit confused with other disciplines. So it'd be great to get your insight from somebody who does that day-to-day of what that really entails. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's funny because I feel like it is constantly changing even in our job, um, especially in the nature, you know, working for an athletic department, working in college athletics, which is so rapidly changing by the month, it feels like. Um, but and especially with public relations, you know, I went into Northwestern as a journalism student and was on the other side at first, kind of dealing with um, media relations, public relations um, folks, and then eventually kind of realized that's what I like doing was working for an organization and kind of having a say in um, the overall narrative around a department and an organization, um, and especially at a, you know, being at a school like Northwestern, um, which means so much to me, being able to kind of play, have a say in when it, when it comes to announcing this big news, when it comes to being tethered to the 19 different varsity athletic programs we have at Northwestern, working with those different programs, working with, you know, the administrators and the staff members at Northwestern, um, and just kind of crafting that overall, like still that storytelling element that you get when you're a journalism student, but on the other side of it being, okay, like how is this going to um, advance the, you know, the brand, the narrative of our, of our organization, get our story shared to a brighter, to a broader audience and really just, um, you know, just take everything that's happening in Northwestern, 
filter that information and make sure that's getting seen by the right channels, whether that be, you know, fans of the team, whether that be um, potential student athletes or just students at Northwestern, that they're being informed, alums and the uh, alums at Northwestern and just getting all of that information and kind of sifting through it and then finding the right channels to um, distribute that information. And it's really changed even in just the, um, the time I've worked in the department from just your traditional, you know, a press release versus, you know, getting stuff out more instantly on social media. And then, you know, social media is constantly changing with, you know, the, the mediums and the, you know, audiences on those different channels. So really just kind of navigating that and realizing there's no right or wrong answer to any of it, but what is the most effective way to kind of, to get that information out there and seen uh, by the, you know, broadest audience possible. It's a really good way to frame it with that journalism parallel. It's almost creating those stories like you would as a journalist, but then framing them, like you said, from a university perspective to get that message across in a certain way. And again, I think oftentimes we conflate those things and think public relations and marketing, certainly there's overlap, but they are not the same thing in that. And you mentioned a lot of the key pieces there. You talked about coming to Northwestern and you have a, an interesting path there at Northwestern for some time now in different roles, but before that had different roles with the Cubs or with the Houston Texans and also in media. So can you talk about your path to how you got to Northwestern outside of your educational experience, which you did both your undergraduate and graduate work there, but the path to get to Northwestern and the capacity you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of always had Northwestern circled. I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So went to Chicago as a kid, knew Northwestern being right in Chicago's backyard, um, was in the Big Ten, grew up following the Big Ten and knew from a pretty young age I wanted to work in sports. And it kind of changed over time. Initially, it was I wanted to be a sports reporter. And then I got more in high school into my uh, local into my school's TV news. And it was, all right, I want to be a producer. I was always a little more of a behind the scenes um, person. I never wanted to be like the the front facing, you know, on camera anchor, but it was um, really fun working in the, in sports. And I always thought that I love, I love sports growing up. And if I could find a job in sports, I'd be able to do something I love and not have it feel like work. So that that's when I kind of, you know, had the Medill School of Journalism circled, um, was able to get into there. And then when I got to Northwestern, um, I qualified for federal work study and really just needed to find a job um, to work while I was on campus. And there was a job open in the Northwestern Athletic Department in their broadcast operations um, wing of the department. And I had had that video editing experience from high school. I knew how to um, cut through video. I knew how to run a live event um, just from some of the stuff I did in high school. So got my foot in the door with that department, worked a lot of the live events, helped to Kind of produce some of the um the videos that um, you'll see on northwestern's youtube channel or social media channels just helping the the talented you know full-time staff members there but i got to meet everyone in these different departments and that's where i kind of met some of the people in communications and learned oh, what they do is very similar to some of the stuff that we do for these um, student publications at Northwestern and being able to tell that story, tell that story, but through the Northwestern athletics channels. And um, for me, it was really appealing. I liked um, that. I already kind of could work in tandem with the the folks at broadcast operations. We had the access to the, those resources, the direct line to the student athletes and the coaches, and also just um, that built in audience of, you know, people that are following Northwestern athletics, want to see content coming out from Northwestern athletics. So it was really appealing to me. Um, it helped me get my foot in the door with a lot of um, those other organizations. Just um, they have a great partnership with the Chicago Cubs. Um, a lot of Northwestern students over the years have um, been able to work like a full season internship with the Cubs in their media relations department. Um, and I was fortunate enough to do that my junior year um, during the Cubs 2018 season. And that was really where it flipped for me. I, ha I had done some experience in 
communications, um, media relations, writing game notes. But when you do it for that year, the Cubs played 83 home games. Um, so just like going to all of those games and every single day, like helping them churn out game notes, like you just, it really just teaches you like how to view a game and watch it through this mentality of, oh, this person got a hit. If, you know, I wonder if that's a career high. I wonder what that hitting streak is. And just the repetition just creates, you know, that mindset. So then you, I came back to Northwestern um, when I finished that and really had an opportunity um, just based on some of the openings to get my foot in the door with some of the specific programs at Northwestern during my senior year and really just kept it, kept it going then. After that, was able to um, get a graduate assistant position after I finished up my undergrad, kept working with some of the, um, with more and more of the programs and really just learning all the different um, programs, you know, here, the student athletes, staff members and working with them. And when you're, when you're at somewhere for eight years, um, you know, you have that built in like block of like history knowledge just from experience and you know being at those games and following those games so it's been uh it's been a journey you know getting there but I've, i'm really happy with where i'm at and kind of circling back to you know coming to northwestern wanting to work a job in sports that you know i doesn't really feel like work i, I can still say that to this day which i always um find really 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 special um with this specific job it is a really cool thing to be able to get up and not only enjoy it and enjoy the content of the work that's there but as you mentioned, it's such an interesting evolution. And there's so many different areas that you have your hands in that you touch from in, within the organization. And it's really fascinating to see how your mind starts to work in a different way when you're consuming that content. Meaning, as a lay sports fan, I'm watching the game in a vastly different way than you are. And you talked about, is this a career high? Or what's this hitting streak? Or how does this play into the larger narrative? And I think that's a really fascinating way to think about it because so many of us think of sports in that fandom realm. And so it's just really interesting to see from the other side, how many of those stories that we consume or the content that we consume that helps us be a fan is curated by someone like yourself with very specific thoughts on how you view and consume those games. We talked about all the different places to touch. What does the day-to-day -day look like for someone in public relations and digital media? Yeah, I would say it really depends on the type of season you're, you're in. But obviously, when you're in season with a program, um, it's a totally different schedule than you know. It's I think you people would know this from working in sports. It's not your Monday through Friday nine to five job. You know, your your busiest times are when the team is playing, and your goal throughout the week is to kind of build up to that game. So, from public relations, that would be you know talking with announcers um, and making and you know coming up with those game notes prep to get people ready. You're writing releases and previews for the game. You're you know creating a plan. Um, for what we do um, on social media to, you know, get people's attention on that game when you think that you just basically with at least with my goal of it being let's get as many people tuned into this game as possible. We, you know, we can't control with our job what happens on the field, but, you know, getting all those people tuned in. So when those big moments happen, you have the the biggest audience possible is, is definitely how I view, you know, when you work for a team, what you're working towards throughout that week. But it's definitely unorthodox in that, you know, you, I need to be on for my job when that, you know, first pitch is thrown or, you know, when, um, you know, the kickoff of a football game and everything, you know, leading up to that is important, but it's stuff that you can schedule out and then you cannot plan at all what happens during a game. So as much as, you know, you can come up with a, a content calendar or a content plan, you know, somebody throws a no hitter or somebody rushes for 250 yards in a game winning touchdown, you can throw everything out the window. And that's where that, just adrenaline kicks in and, you know, the importance of working in sports. And we have a lot of people in our department that are sports fans that can understand that moment and say, you know, if you have all the cameras pointed in the right direction, how can we capitalize on that? And what can we do in response to that? Um, 
it, it totally changes the day to day, you know, because you, you don't know, you, you can't anticipate that, but just being locked in with a team throughout the season and really being able to go through the ebbs and the flows and understand the context of what is happening both, you know, during a game leading up to a game and in the greater scope of a season and how you can make as many people understand that as possible when you're telling that their story through, you know, the Northwestern athletics website, the team specific social media channels and understand what you're communicating and why you're communicating it um, impacts really the day to day and what you're, what you're doing leading up to those different, um, those different games. Yeah. Back to what you're saying about where you're talking about the evolution it has to be a really exciting thing to be able to one, have something different and shift and move every day. Like you said, now what's the silly Mike Tyson quote, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I think there's some truth to that in the sense that you mentioned those eight years of experience gives you that ability to be nimble and adapt to those things that make them up in a positive sense. You mentioned somebody rushes for 200 yards or there's a game winning shot. The ability to cover those and tell that story has to be really interesting. You mentioned different for sports. You, in your time, have worked with football and men's and women's basketball, softball, field hockey, wrestling, volleyball. How is it different sport to sport? Is there a different cadence to it? Are there more things that are important in other sports? You know, obviously we think from, again, the lay fans perspective, we see football and men's and women's basketball in a very prominent way. Are those addressed differently than say something like a volleyball? Absolutely. Uh, mostly just because of the, you know, the unique part about being at Northwestern and being kind of still adjacent to the Chicago markets and everything is you're very much a small fish in a big pond. So when those those teams are doing well, that, you know, when a program like a field hockey team is competing and winning a national championship like they were in 2021, you know, how are you still how are you getting that story out and sharing that with a, a greater audience versus Northwestern football? people, you know, college football fans are watching, they're tuned into what you're doing. So that totally changes the narrative of what you're doing. Um, just, you know, who you're interacting with and the different, like you're fielding media requests um, and having to kind of coordinate that versus trying to get your story out and get, get people to, you know, come to practice and come to availability to tell this story and understanding, you know, it's, that's just the nature of being at, you know, being where we are at Northwestern, having the um, media presence that we do. And it's, I find it really, um, I really like doing it. I, I think it's something that, you know, it's special having that, you know, a lot of us um, in our communications department have that journalism background, that storytelling background and understanding. Yeah, sometimes it is us telling that story and pushing it out for some of these programs that don't have the coverage um, to get, you know, that attention, get that story circulated and understanding that's okay. And that's kind of the nature of where college athletics and a lot of these departments and really just across the board with sports organizations, you know, they're investing in that storytelling and they're investing in um, those resources so that they can tell their story and that they can tell, you know, the, the feature stories and push it out through their channels to this wide audience that they've built up over the years. Like people that are following, you know, Northwestern softball have been following them for, you know, the last 25 or 20 years since, you know, been invented. So being able to come, come up with those stories and push them out through your own channels because we have the resources to do so and then get that and share it and distribute it with the different media outlets around the city is totally different than, you know, Northwestern football and Northwestern basketball, where when the basketball team's doing well, we have local media that's wanting to come out to Sacramento and they're going to shoot the cover, the footage themselves. And that's just the nature of, you know, those, those specific sports and working with those. Um, I, I find it, I find it great because it means that you can really be invested in these teams throughout their season. And, um, you know, when, when the moment calls for it, we're ready and we can kind of, we can kind of have a say and we can have control in that storytelling um, element of it. So Zach, the other portion of your job title, 
the digital media component, you talked about you know, all these different sports that you cover. And we as lay fans, we see that coverage of football and men's and women's basketball. And I can imagine that the social presence and the digital media aspect of it leads to a lot of other things that you have to contend with. But it also seems like a really great way for all sports, but specifically even some of the Olympic sports to be able to tell those stories in different mediums. And so does that give you the opportunity to widen that net for those sports? Absolutely. And I think it's something that, you know, we're constantly having to navigate and monitor um, with what we do in our in our job and kind of understanding, like taking a look at the the data, whether it be how many people are reading these recaps versus how many people are watching these videos and then having to take all of that and make decisions in terms of what is the best way to cover these teams. Um, because to your point, yeah, if, the, if some of the games are, whether it be behind a paywall or people just aren't able to watch because of other sports going on, sometimes taking the highlights and showing versus, you know, telling in a story might be a more effective way to, to communicate that. And it's, we're pretty fortunate with what we do with our department, having the support to take that and run with some of the ideas. Um, you know, I would say even just a couple of years ago, it would have been, um, it would have been a crazy thought to say, you know, we're actually not going to we're not going to write an immediate recap for this game. We're instead going to post highlights and redirect people to our department's YouTube channel um, and show those highlights versus writing a, a written recap. But then it was, you know, we we have the support and I was fortunate to, to have the support of you know my bosses when saying I think people would rather see what's going on. And if we cut these highlights and we can share it on Twitter, we can share it on Instagram, you know, we can we can show people what's going on throughout a game, we can still cover all of the written elements with what we do. But I don't think I don't think as many people are tuning in anymore as they might have been when we came up with this, this strategy. And, you know, uh, a couple years ago, and having people say, yeah, go for it, um, run with it. And I think you're seeing other athletic departments start to do that. But the ones that are willing to adapt and kind of embrace these innovative ways while still you know, taking in what you've done in uh, in the past and come up with the best possible strategy. I said earlier, there's no right or wrong answer. And, you know, what I'm saying about Twitter now is going to, could change in the, you know, the next hour for all we know, but really just, um, just understanding, you know, what, what are people engaging with? Like, what are people, what do people seem to like? How can we take that? And also with the resources that we have, you know, just being able, you know, from, from my standpoint with the sports that I work coming from a, a video background and having a lot of experience editing, being able to, you know, cut some highlights and, you know, clip something together really quickly, just because that fits, you know, my skill set and understanding if I do this and I, that's how I cover a team throughout the season, you create almost this expectation among a fan base. And that's how, you know, you, that's how, in my opinion, you grow a fan base is that, you know, they, if they want to follow your team, especially for a sport, you know, that isn't, you can't open your ESPN score app and check where can they go during a game? You know, if it's a Twitter feed, then at least they're going and they're constantly checking, you know, your account or if it's Instagram, you know, what is the, what is the goal? What are you trying to accomplish with this account? Um, is it to really show off the, the, is it to inform people from a game, game by game, real time, probably not as much on an Instagram as it is on a Twitter, but is it really trying to create the overall, you know, look and feel of your, of your program? So you're selling it to fans interested in your program, recruits interested in your program, Probably. And that's that's kind of what you're seeing more. And that's why you're seeing more athletic departments start to invest in that. But being able to kind of understand why you're doing it and understand everything has a, a reason for it. And as you're seeing, you know, more and more departments are leaning towards that digital media that you mentioned. I think it's it's not a coincidence and it's something that you're going to continue to see more. And as we continue to invest more in it from a creative standpoint, and we have one of the best broadcast operations departments in the in the country in terms of what they're able to do even when big 10 network isn't here covering a game or espn isn't here still being able to provide that first class coverage and then take that and share it to a broader audience on 
um, you know, our YouTube and our social media channels or on our, on our department's website to really highlight that these teams and what they're doing um, is ultimately, I think, how you get more people plugged into what's going on and informed about what's going on. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think you're right that, you know, even looking at things like the ESPN having around the layoffs now, you, it certainly speaks to the fact that people are consuming in a different way. That traditional medium of when, I'm sure even from when you started eight years ago, it's different around the immediacy of some of these things and getting those things out. There is something you mentioned your video editing background, and I have some nerdy questions around generative AI and how that could impact that. But back to some of the things that you mentioned around that immediacy, do you find that, that grows engagement? Meaning that you were talking previously about, we had the game notes and we have these pieces that would go out after those things happen. But have you seen, based on all of these things that you do, the ability to have that immediacy and it grow or create the engagement from that set of fans? Or is it one of those things where certain fans engage in one way certain fans to like the traditional mediums. I think it's about having to juggle the two and really understanding that, you know, there are still going to be people that don't want to have a Twitter account or have an Instagram account. So how can you still get that content and get it shared with those people? And we're still constantly working through that um, with what we do. And it's, I don't know if we'll ever have a perfect answer, but just understanding that in my, from my point of view, the biggest thing that you're looking for um, when you're measuring success, um, the engagement's important. And I think that comes with success. You know, Northwestern fans are going to, like your like your tweet or like your share your post when the team is having is having success but um from what we do from a public relations standpoint how closely we work with the different departments in our external wing whether that be you know marketing and ticket sales what we're really trying to accomplish with the the social media channels too is to grow your audience and just expand your reach so that when you do have those big moments more people are seeing it when you do have that big news to share more people are seeing it. And that's something I think that comes with just having that consistent coverage, having a person um, in the communications department while your team's in season, that's telling that story and communicating it when, you know, other outlets may not be that when, if you want to find out how this team is doing or what happened or see a moment from that, getting the, getting a person in place to tell that story. And then the next step of that is getting, you know, the content in place, whether it be having video of that moment, if you're clipping a live stream, great. If you have a live, if you have cameras there sharing photos, even better. And um, really just kind of telling that story um, is what will continue to get more people following you and tuning in and growing that audience, I think, um, is something we've been able to do um, as we've continued to make that investment in um, the storytelling element and the social um, media element and the digital element, just really putting up, trying to move our chips in that direction um, to, to, do, to grow our, our audience and our reach. It's amazing for someone that sits on this side that follows on whatever platform it may be, those things like specific Northwestern sports or Northwestern in general, and you see that content come across and consume it, but you don't think of all the mechanics that go into it behind it. This is you clipping up those videos in real time and crafting the response and so that all of us can do it. And I think that oftentimes we don't think about that. I saw the fascinating interview recently with Mark Cuban, and he was talking about his son who is... 14, something around that age. And he talked about how his son watches every Mavericks game, but he never watches the linear broadcast. He watches house highlights on Instagram, or he consumes it on TikTok and he sees nearly the entire game, but never sits and watches the linear broadcast. So I can imagine that has really shifted the way two things. One, those fans consume it, but do you think that it has any impact on how, for lack of a better term, you control the narrative in some way? 
I think it definitely has an impact. I mean, you make a great point about, you know, where does that come from and how does that come about? You know, that's what, it, you know, going back to your earlier question about like a day to day, it does take somebody to be plugged in really watching that. Or when you have those great highlights of somebody shooting, you know, from the dugout, they were shooting every single pitch of a seven inning game, waiting for that, that moment, that walk off home run or that player hitting a home run and celebrating. And that's what makes some of the best moments. But I think people definitely, um, that, that understanding of where does that come from? How does that come about? How much work does it take to get to that moment? And then once that happens, like being able to, to capitalize it. So um, it definitely has a say, I, I would think, in being able to control the narrative because that's, I mean, it's where it feels like kind of where the industry is headed in terms of like, if not for, you know, us watching the game in the past, it may have been a beat reporter, but, you know, as so much of that is changing in the journalism industry, you know, having that, that's somebody's still watching and somebody's still controlling, you know, what's going on, um, or somebody's still telling that story with what's going on to share it. Hopefully then, you know, with, with a lot of these sports, what you're hoping for is somebody will pick that up then and continue to tell that story. But that's just, um, that's the journalism side in me saying like, kind of that's, that's a, a byproduct of, yes, yeah, somebody, somebody, um, should be tuning in, watching these games for those big moments to happen. And you don't know when those big moments are going to happen. And that's just the nature of, of working in sports. But I think that's why so many of us, um, in our, in Northwestern's athletic department specifically from what I know, and then just kind of meeting other people in the industry. That's why you do what you do. Like, um, you know, you say that, you know, we might be flooded with, with highlights after a game and it, it definitely adds more to your plate, but that's a good problem to have. Cause it means you have those moments to talk about and you have that success to talk about, um, which is really what makes, you know, which is why so many of, of us choose to work in sports, I would say, for those moments like that and being able to tell it. So um, you have to like doing it. You definitely have to enjoy the the grind of a season. Um, certainly, you know, to not not to the extent of the of the student athletes and what, what they're going through, but just having somebody that's following those games and constantly understanding, you know, what's happening and being able to take what's happening and then tell that story um, definitely puts it puts more control in your hands of like, the narrative of, of a team and, uh, and their season. Us from the other side, we love to follow those things in those moments. It's what makes sports so unique. And it's really interesting to see again, the other side of that, of how, yes, that moment, it has to happen, whether it's a buzzer beater, a walk-off home run, Hail Mary, whatever it may be, but then how you craft and create that for us to consume really does change how we interact with it and how we get excited about those things. I guess that I'm, probably contractually obligated in some way. It feels like we talk about this every podcast, but name, image, and likeness is obviously a thing that has, has become much more prevalent at the college level. And we've talked a lot of previous guests on both sides from Brad Bauer, who works with Northwestern on that side, or Adam Cook, who is much more on the, the agency side and the representation of athletes. But in your work, do you run into and contend with different NIL pieces from the student athletes, or is, is that something that's kind of out of your purview? I think it, it definitely trickles into what we do just mostly, but of kind of being the, the gatekeepers of getting photographers at this game, getting videographers at this game. We have so much of this content that's collected from these big moments of these student athletes. Um, and it's something we're constantly trying to figure out the best way to get that in their hands. Like we don't need to be Northwestern athletics. Doesn't need to be the, you know, the whole, like the, we don't need to keep that behind closed doors. We want to share that with the student athletes and have them be able to use that and leverage it to hopefully um, tell their story and share that to their audience as well. It's only going to help grow Northwestern's accounts, but for them, specifically now that they can profit off their name, image, and likeness, and we have so much of this content we're collecting from a photo shoot throughout the season from you know them doing fantastic things on and off the field, if we have that, 
we need to share that with them. And if, and, and not every student athlete really wants that. Um, and that's something that we're constantly kind of having to work with and um, learn is, are you interested in this? Do you, do you want to continue growing your social media brand? And if so, you know, how can we help, you know, take some of the stuff we have and put that in your hands. Um, and especially now that, you know, you're able to, to collaborate with them and, and you've always been able to tag people and post, but really just, if that's important to those student athletes, you're seeing more and more departments do that. They're listing their social media on their website. And it's something that, you know, as, as we continue to pivot towards a more digital focus, you need to do that, I think. And you need to, you know, work with those student athletes that really want to get involved. Um, in terms of the educating that falls more on the, um, the compliance side. And, you know, we don't necessarily know all of the, the ins and outs and the rules of what they can and can't do, but we certainly have all of this content that we, we can and should be putting in their hands. If that's something that the student athletes uh, are interested in. It's a really interesting how those things come together. The reason I say that is, NIL is still finding its footing. I think that there's been a lot of great work done in that, but it's obviously still evolving. The thing that sometimes people would have some level of frustration with is the quality of those things, meaning because of not having the professional photographers and all of the things that go into the things that you do on a day-to-day basis, but for every event. It's great to see the collaboration between universities and student-athletes to be able to produce that material. Because again, I think that from a larger perspective, there's a small percentage of these student athletes that are making enormous money on it, but it's great to see the ability for some of them to have some pocket money, because as you mentioned, it's a grind for student athletes and the ability to have a job and make money is not something that is easy to do for a student athlete that's really committed to a sport. I mentioned generative AI and the nerdy piece of those things. In a video editing perspective, I think there's a lot of great tools that are now available because of machine learning and AI, but now even further with generative AI. Are you seeing that come into your space or things like the video editing and creating that content really quickly? Or another part that you mentioned too is you're talking about beat reporters. I think this is a little further stretch, but we're starting to see more of the replacement of that short, quick game recap or just summary overall can be done by something like a generative AI are you seeing those tools and those implementations come into your space at all? Yeah, we've already seen it and we've, we've tried to embrace some of it, honestly, um, just because of the, the rapid nature of people wanting to see and consume content immediately after a game and capitalizing and leveraging that success. Um, I think part of it has to do too with the, the size of our department and understanding we need to be, Northwestern's never going to be, the, we don't have the largest student population. We're the smallest school in the Big Ten. We're also the smallest athletic department in the Big Ten. And that's not an excuse. That's just something that we have to take into account and use to be efficient with what we do. So if it is, you know, we need to share highlights after a game and this highlight clipping software has AI capable technology that can clip those highlights, then great. Let's, let's take that and let's get that out there. And then if we want to jump in and it's not perfect, you know, you would rather have somebody be clipping it and being able to pair the set, the right sound bites and the right story, but being able to capitalize on that success when we are, as we know, we've talked about might be the only people that have the rights to these highlights that are going to be able to put these highlights out. So we're sharing that with a broader audience. Um, it's something that, you know, we've, as we continue to have that technology offered to us, we've been experimenting with it and seeing it. Same goes for for recaps. Um, and that technology has been, I would say, good, not great. It's able to tell what happened with the game. It, it still hasn't been able to take it to that next level of what I was mentioning earlier, where you can watch a game and you know kind of come up with a, a game note in your head just from watching it. Um, but if if that came about and it was something that you know we felt would help us and it could take something off of our plate while we continue to pivot more towards you know the digital focus because as much as i talk about 
being able to, you know, pivot, there are still parts of your job that you're always going to have to do. You know, we can't just totally neglect doing game notes and informing, you know, a TV audience, but if you're understanding, you know, the what's being viewed and what to prioritize, it can, and something can help you in that element while you're, you know, trying to be efficient with what you do and effective in the ways that you're um, going about telling the story of a game and sharing that with an audience. And there, some of this technology can help. Um, we'll definitely continue to experiment with it and take what works and the stuff that doesn't work. We're, you know, we're okay moving on from it because we understand that um, this industry is changing rapidly and the technology associated with that is also um, evolving and, and changing. It's a really good outlook because I think oftentimes over the last few months, there's been so much news about generative AI and what it can do. And I think some of that causes worry from folks around what this replace certain jobs. And I think the answer to that candidly is some yes, but I think you outlined a great point around the misnuance. There's nuance that's missed in some of those things that only someone like yourself can provide. And so it's a great tool to be able to do those baseline things. And then you add your creativity on top of that, or that nuance on top of that, which can make you more productive. One thing you mentioned a couple of times now is game notes and things for broadcasters. So are you telling me that those announcers on a Saturday or a Sunday for that matter, aren't coming up with all this content on their own? Shocking, but uh, no, no, we're, we're, we're definitely helping trying to inform them. Um, the fun thing about game notes is it's, it's, you know, this is the PR side of it, but it's totally, you know, everything you're saying from a, from an organization standpoint, and this is something I learned with, with the Cubs, um, when I, when I started is everything has to be positive focus. So your team's on a 10 game losing streak. You're still just trying to pick, you know, glass half full and pick those diamonds in the rough, um, and tell those stories. But you know, that's, what's fun about, um, being able to, to craft, like we mentioned the narratives and say, Hey, this player is playing really well. If you want to know how well they're playing, here's, you know, an outlook that I, I try my best kind of having been fortunate enough to work um, in the broadcast operations department and with some of the live streams to understand, all right, if I can, if I can serve this up on this notes on a silver platter to producers and give them like, like almost like think of that graphic in my head that they might show during a, you know, inning break or during a, you know, coming out of a TV timeout and say, talk to the producers for these channels and say, what do you need? We have, you know, this server with all this footage of it. We know I've we collect this footage and these human, we try to collect these human interest stories and really just serve it up to them. Um, that's what I find interesting because I mean, I keep saying how everything's changing, but I find it hilarious going to these different games when you have all these teams and some of the schools that have bigger departments and have one person specifically on game notes and media relations, they'll give you these 50 page notes packets. And I don't know about, about you guys, but like, if I'm an announcer, I don't know if I'm reading an entire 50 page notes packet when I'm having to call five games in one day, but if you're able to give them kind of a leaner, a leaner document with those specific storylines built out, and then also get in the ear of a producer and say, Hey, I mentioned on page four, this storyline, if you're looking for video, you're looking for photos that can be more effective than, you know, those 10 extra page of game notes that you put together. Um, and it's, it's weird to say, it's definitely like part parts of our industry that would be a huge no, no, like you don't, you know, don't neglect the game notes, don't neglect that. But it's something that like, just trying to understand how it's changing and how, you know, you mentioned the layoffs and like people are, these operations for these um, productions are shrinking. So how can you make things, you know, as easy as possible for them? Because it ultimately is going to help your organization and the program that like you're trying to, uh, that you're working for and you're trying to promote their stories for. That's something I didn't even think about as those broadcast groups and teams trim down. Partly because of the viewing of whether it's sports or anything across linear television, that viewing has declined in many ways. 
And so it's interesting to see that shift and change. But like you said, a lot of that legwork, and it's really insightful to hear it from you. A lot of that legwork is done by you on the front end of those things and creating that for whether it's the broadcast or whether it's something that's done subsequently. And so it's fascinating to know that so much goes into that. Do you think that from a game to game basis in your experience of creating those things, are they heavily used or do those announcers kind of just go off script and do their own thing? It really depends on the announcer. A lot of the times they do like to kind of go with the ebbs and flows of a game and you can prepare them as much as possible. But you know, when you, when you have a former player and you have a play by play, a really good play by play announcer, they want to focus on that game. And sometimes as a sports fan, that's what I'd rather hear anyways, but it's your job to to kind of add those little nuggets and bullet points in there. So you're almost like pitching them, um, which, which feels weird to do, but you're, you know, you're saying, Hey, if you want to do this segment coming out of a break, here it is for you. Um, and you know, sometimes they take it, sometimes they don't. It really just depends on the production, the crew, um, and what, what all they have going on and what the announcers want to talk about and how a game is going, but just making that available and understanding that that's part of, um, what we do. And that's kind of how, things have changed and you know how it may not have been when if you were doing it um, 15 years ago before you had access to all of these videos and you could share it so easily in a folder to make available to anyone um, to view, then yeah, it was more important to have everything listed in a game notes packet. But now um, as things continue to evolve, how can we continue to kind of take that and run with it and um, be, try to be as innovative as possible, understanding the, the people we're working with and um, you know how they're gonna go about their production. You alluded to this earlier, but it seems in the instance where teams are playing well across any sport, that content creation, whether it's the digital media component of it or the the public relations component of it, seems like it would be much easier. One, is that the case? And then two, if that is not what is happening, if the team is not playing as well or not doing as well, does that make it more difficult to craft that narrative and create those stories on your side? Or is it part of the job and there's different ways you approach each of those situations? Yeah, it definitely makes it easier. Um, You just, when a team's doing well, you find more people are tuning in, more people are engaging with what you do. It's a lot easier to think of ideas when the ideas are mostly driven by team success on the field. And that'll always be um, the case. It certainly adds it can add more to your plate, but as I said earlier, that's why you do the job. And that's, you know, for those moments, those big moments at team success. So um, it's, it makes it easier to an extent it adds, it adds more, but it's, it's, there's a lot more to talk about. Um, And when, when you are, you know, when you don't have that success, yeah, it's still finding ways to kind of understand what you're, what you're telling. And if you don't want to focus on the game, then, you know, what are you focusing on? Cause you don't want to just go radio silent. Um, but, and part of that is just kind of looking and seeing um, what the appetite is, what I, I always love finding inspiration from, from what other, uh, not even other athletic departments necessarily, um, but just like any, any team, any sports account and kind of seeing how they handle that and what is there to still talk about and what is there to still promote. Um, I'm for, we're fortunate that we have a lot of people in communications that are very online with that and just enjoy kind of, the nature of, you know, how this industry is changing and just kind of looking around and taking inspiration. I don't feel bad saying it because it's such a copycat industry. And, you know, sometimes that inspiration can lead to an even better idea that you're thinking of on your own. So I think um, it's about monitoring that. It's about seeing kind of when a team's doing well, how can you capitalize on that? And what cool ideas can you run with when you work, when you have a team of so many different people that are so good at so many different areas? And when it's not going well, how can you take those same skill sets and come up with something that um, that will still help drive the storyline of a team. It does seem that those human interests for pieces are driving more content engagement. I mentioned that because if you look historically, 
things like the Olympics always did a great job of those because there's so much coverage and have to fill those things. But if you look at even like a model that Netflix has, where starting with Formula One, the drive to survive, that content that people can consume and it really up the viewership from a Formula One perspective in the States, especially, they've kind of taken that model now and moved it to golf and move it to tennis. They're going to move it to football with the quarterback show. Do you see more and more of those types of opportunities to create content around that with the purpose of being engaging in the content itself, but then driving the interest in the sport. 100%. And I'll give, I'll give credit to them. This, this was some of the decisions that were happening even before I came to Northwestern in 2015, but at least from my understanding, it used to be Northwestern. Let's look at their football program. They used to have a coaches show with Pat Fitzgerald, where it would be kind of your sit down Q and a, and about eight, nine years ago now, the idea was had, let's let's do away with that. And let's really, you know, if we have these cameras, let's do that kind of hard knock style behind the scenes look. And it created the foundation, um, which if for Northwestern fans that have followed um, our broadcast operations department create, created that. And it's, it's won Emmys um, for their work covering a team throughout the whole season um, because it has that that look of like, we can have, you know, coach kind of give a press style, a press conference style answer with a reporter but really being able to to get in the huddle with coach and hear what he's saying and then have that tie into the narrative of, yeah, we're practicing and now we're playing a game. It adds so much that you can't replicate from any story, from any, you know, highlight. Um, and that's why you're, I think you're seeing, you know, the, the, the leagues and the sports that are willing to invest in that go that direction because it shows that kind of all access behind the scenes look. I mean, if we could do it for, Every single program we have here, we absolutely would, because I think that's what people want to see. And by, you know, when you're looking at your audience, I think I've said it before, but it, it goes both ways. It goes for, it helps, you know, fans learn more about the team, gain more interest in the team, which from our, if you're looking from a broader external picture could help people, you know, want to be invested in that team, want to, you know, follow that team, go to their game, buy a ticket for that game. But also the other wing of it, which is still important, so important when you worked in college athletics is communicating with that next generation of student athletes and saying, do you want to know what it's like to play for the Dan and Susan Jones family head football coach, Pat Fitzgerald? Here's what he sounds like in a huddle. Here's what he sounds like after a loss. And sometimes like, you know, as someone that's been on in the locker room for, for a lot of these programs after wins, after losses, that's the coolest part. And to be able to have a camera that's there capturing that and really, and, you know, taking the emotion from that moment and then being able to share that is better than anything that you could get from a written story, from a you know press conference answer, from a highlight. I remember consuming baseball's box scores in the newspaper. Those still exist, but the story around it to drive that narrative is much more robust these days. And I think us as sports fans really react to that. It's something that drives our engagement. And it's amazing to see how the sausage gets made because I think from the other side as a fan, we don't often see that. It's like, there's so many things we can unpack, angles we can go, but I'll get you out of here on this. In those eight years, you've already talked about so many of these really cool moments that you've been involved with. If you boil it down, what are some of those moments that for you have been the best in your career and had the ability to cover? Yeah, I mean, I I, I could go on for a long time here, but I, I was fortunate to come in here as a student who obviously followed Big Ten sports and just sports in general, and then have a run where Northwestern made while I was a, my freshman through senior year, a bowl game in every season, won three straight bowl games, um, 2016, 17, 18. I was there um, as a sophomore, my sophomore year, the basketball team made the NCAA tournament for the first time. I was, you know, in the student section with Nate Taphorn throwing a pass to Derek Pardon. I was on the side where Pardon made that and got to storm the court, which obviously growing up as a, as a sports fan, like a 
moment that you dream about. Um, and then since I've been able to work at Northwestern, I, I had a um, last year during 2020 to um, a run with, um, I mentioned the field hockey team winning the national championship. I was able to um, be there for that and kind of throughout their whole season, um, cover that and then um, celebrate that moment. Um, a couple months later, um, our wrestler at Northwestern, Ryan Deacon, uh, who I'd worked with since I was a, a graduate assistant um, in his my third year working with him, his final season, won the national championship uh, in Detroit at 157 pounds. And then just a couple months after that, um, soft Northwestern softball, who I've um, I'm now in my fifth season working with them, but they won the super regional in Tempe, Arizona, and went to the women's college world series. And I was there for that. So those three things happening in the succession in the succession that they did, it created a lot of jokes among our department in terms of just like, oh man, you know, something about these teams you work with. But um, I'll say as a sports fan, like that's I've said it way too many times already on this podcast. That's why you do the job, but like I can't. Being able to be there for that and then take those moments and share that from a greater Northwestern standpoint, um, you know, as an alum, as a Northwestern fan, like that's something that um, I can't I can't put into words just what that meant, what those moments meant. And then being able to share that and see the the way the communities came about and embraced, you know, the field hockey program, the re watching wrestling, following softball, watching it in real time and like whether it be sending me updates or reacting on social media and just seeing all those people get passionate about these sports that you follow throughout the whole season is, um, is why you do the job. And it's, it, it, those are really special moments for me that success is, is so, so much fun. And to have it be, you know, at a school and, a um, with programs that you care about so much is, um, is really, really a special thing. And we really appreciate that you do that job because on the other side is fans it's amazing to be able to consume those things and see how that narrative gets crafted. And it's so insightful for all of us to really understand the behind the scenes of how those things get prepared and how they come to us as fans. So Zach, we really appreciate the time today and all the insight because I know from my perspective, I learned a lot around how all those great things that are put in front of me really get made and all the hard work that you and your group do to create those moments. Well, thanks so much for, for having me. I love talking about this stuff and it's uh yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. So I really appreciate you letting me, um, you taking the time to have me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much.